When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are two rules to remember if you want to have a good time. Rules! No rules! Rule number one. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Rule number two. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. Ciao, Bella. This week on Double Dragon, Steve and I cover The Princess and the Queen, wherein we talk a little bit too long about Aegon's favorite hobby. Then medievalist Kavita Mudan Finn joins us, followed by a short conversation with my daughter, who's home from college. So Nessa's back. All right, without further ado, here is comic Steve Osborne. Steve Viserys lives. <laughs> he lives. Such as he is, he's a little bit more zombie than man now. He's Yeah, he's, he's not less gross after 10 years. <laughs> Um, ten years. He made it. I, I'm a little surprised. He's. I didn't realize you were doing that big of a time jump. This <laughs> is pre- pretty boring. Ten years. Let's jump right ahead. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently, just a just a decade of making babies. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I like the new actors. I I think that there's something there's some residual effect about sort of my emotional investment, even though I know this is Rhaenyra. I just don't mm-hmm. have the screen time with this particular actor, and so it's hard for me to sort of find a, an emotional connection. Yeah, it is it is interesting though, right? I mean, like I because I am once I'm like okay, that's Rhaenyra. I'm I I have to like force myself to be interested. In the same way, I should say. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, like, you know, when when they changed the Dukes of Hazard, you know, and Bo and Luke, they right. replaced them with their cousins, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, sure, there's the car and mm-hmm. there's Roscoe and there's, you know, it's, you know, latent racist hijinks ensue. Um, uh, it just wasn't the same. Wasn't you know? the same at all. Um, I feel like in the first five episodes, I felt like Rhaenyra was the, the more interesting of the two characters. Mm-hmm. And Allison was sort of super passive, and you know, you, I, I, I certainly felt connected to her out of sympathy. And then we sort of saw her take agency toward the end of the last episode. Ten years later, this is totally flipped. Right, Allison is the one that's interesting. She's the one behind the scenes machinations, and Renera, aside from you know consciously choosing over and over again to not have Targaryen babies. Yeah. Things are just like kind of almost happening. impulsively. <laughs> sure. I mean, well, come on, Harwin. Look at Harwin. Sleep in front of the commander of the city watch. Terrible lack of respect. A certain insolence runs in the family, I'm afraid. I mean, sure. you wouldn't jump out of that guy's bed. I know, but I mean, I, I give him a baby. <laughs> <laughs> not three. I don't need to get. I came in the trilogy. 
All right. I've identified five storylines. I'm going to start with the one that I think is um, fairly removed because I feel like these other four storylines are going to mesh together. Okay. Um, this is Damon and family. So Lena mm. and Damon entertain with their dragon riding tricks. Then at dinner, Reggio offers them a manse and farmlands in exchange for protection. Damon seems to like this prospect better than Lena. Damon broods and drinks outside and claims that he doesn't miss Westeros. Lena's birth goes tragically bad. And when maternal mortality looms, she decides to have her dragon light her up. <laughs> sure does. This is a, this is an interesting. Just so you know, this is sort of like one of those things where the Game of Thrones world's a little bit different than the real medieval world. The dragon thing. Yeah, yeah. Being being torched by a dragon. <laughs> Not typical. Not typical. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so uh, let me just say this. I feel like I can relate to middle-aged, dull Damon much better. <laughs> than, than sexy tornado Damon. Yeah, I feel like that guy was never quite sure what what are his motives. Now I think, oh, no, I totally understand this guy. He's he's <laughs> super dull. He wants to go upstairs and read. Uh, ignores his kids. Ignores his kids. Not a great communicator with his wife. I can, you know, I'm not saying that that's me. I'm saying I can totally relate to that. Yeah, but there is that point where I'm just like, okay, so this is now Game of Thrones, <laughs> mirror to my own life edition. <laughs> sure. They, well, you know, they they wanted, they heard our our cries. They heard us like saying like, hey, who can really relate to these Targaryens? You know, they, they they're so different <laughs> than the mo- you know. Okay, let's give you one that's just totally dull. He just wants to read. <laughs> Yeah, and it's Damon Targaryen now. Uh, and he is kind I mean, of... Still a, chaos, still a chaos agent, right? Like, I mean, no one saw this coming. No. He is one of those guys that kind of goes on vacation for the first time in a long time and decides, hey, let's look at real estate here. This is a nice place. Um, <laughs> right. So, anyway, I, I like this new Damon. He's a little bit more relatable. He's, ac- he's accessible. <laughs> Uh, he's not a great dad. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, that, that's not shocking, I guess. Uh, yeah, the, the fact if he was just equally aloof to everyone, that'd be fine. But he seems to genuinely love his wife, genuinely love one of his daughters, and totally ignore <laughs> the other daughter. <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't that know that he has two daughters. He's <laughs> it's just a big house. He's not paying attention very much. He's like, wait, you, wait, you, are you the one? Wait, I thought you were the one. <laughs> and I do that from time to time. I will call, you know, my kids by the other kid's name from time to time. Well, that happens for sure. Yeah, I call my kids my dog's name a lot of times. <laughs> you call, do you really yeah. call your kids the dog's names? Sometimes, sometimes. It's more so I think we call like the dog's the kids name. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's pretty clear who's who's <laughs> who's the most important. <laughs> the fur babies are more important than the, the real babies in the Osborne family. Maybe. Um <laughs> these ones are, you know, they show us affection. Has it has the new dog coming? Coming along great. Yeah, you think coming you're going to keep keep old Henley around? 
I think we're going to keep Henley around, and it'll be the first dog that we keep the name of. You're going to keep the name. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, this is, Heather's really big on it, and I'm, I'm fine with it, you know? All right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, whenever I say the dog's name, I get a Don Henley song in my head. <laughs> but it's never one that I, like, particularly care for. Well, or, tell me the ones you care for. Well, I mean, if it was Boys of Summer, I, I'd be all right with that. Um, you don't, you don't start singing the Dogs of Summer. No, I, I sing uh, the end of the Innocence, and like that's not a song of his that I particularly mm-hmm. care for. I think but this, that's the one. This, uh, this tells me something about the way you feel about the dog. Mm, interesting, interesting. It, yeah, he's not the like, Dogs of Summer. He's the end of Innocence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. And it's of all the song, I could, I would have even settled for you know all she wants to do is dance, but. <laughs> Now, Renera and Lenore have a little dispute over naming their child's name. Right. And it seems like Lenore kind of like jumps in like before they like, are they just never talking? They haven't discussed the name, the baby's name at all. What's been going on for 10 years, man? <laughs> it's, he's, it's, he's been home maybe like three times in the last 10 years. Him, another one. Him and Carl have just been out having a grand old time. <laughs> yeah, they sure have. Oh my goodness. So, um, this this brings us to the next story. All right, I'll, I'll read this one. So, Renair gives birth to a strapping baby boy. When Allison sends for the baby, she leaves her birthing bed and goes herself. Lenore tries to seem useful and then names the baby Joffrey. Allison checks the baby's hair color. Sir Harwin is especially affectionate with the baby and seems extremely familiar with the other two sons of Renair. In her chambers, she commands Lenore to remain in King's Landing rather than go to war. At the King's Council, she proposes a marriage alliance between Jaceris and Helena. Allison appears cold to the offer and ends the meeting. When Harwin is sent away, Renera informs Lenore that they are going to Dragonstone and that Carl should come with. So I'm watching this episode with my daughter and my mom. Hmm. My, uh, my my parents are visiting. My daughter was home from college. And so the three of us were uh, watching this, this episode together. And when Lenore names the baby Joffrey, my mom gives an audible gasp. <laughs> <laughs> she was just, just taken. <laughs> she... She was shocked. She she was not happy, I don't think. I feel like it was like not for the reasons that everyone else was shocked. Uh you know, it's not because this is not a typical name for a Targaryen. <laughs> oh, yeah, cuz she's she's such a Targaryen traditionalist. It's not because my mom's a Targaryen traditionalist. It's because that name in this universe. Mhm. Uh oh yeah. It's it's a little bit like naming your kid Mussolini or something. Yeah, it's Cosby. Yeah, you're not going to name your kid Cosby. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, we got another Joffrey. And clearly this means that Lenore, 10 years later, still holding the flame for Mr. No-Face. Yeah, but not for the firstborn. Took him a couple kids. I think that he didn't really have much of a say. I think this was a strategic thing. He's like, I'm not going to talk to her about the name this time. I'm just gonna go for it. I'm yeah, just when when the first time someone asks me what the name is, I'm just gonna blurt it out, and then it'll stick. At some point, at one point in this 
storyline, he actually says, look, I've been here for 10 years. I feel I am owed. And she doesn't let him finish the sentence. Right. And she says, you are owed nothing. And you're basically going to do what I want you to do. Um, I feel a little bit for him. I'm feeling like owed nothing. Like your boyfriend killed my boyfriend. Right. Yeah, that that's not worth anything. Like clearly, he's still he's still in love with the guy. Ten years later, he's still living with that loss. I I think that she's a little bit too harsh with him. Um, and I I get it. You know, he's not doing any of the work. Uh, he's he's out having fun with good time Carl or whatever his name is. And uh, you know that that can grate. I don't know. I, a little bit harsh. A little bit harsh with Lenore, in my in my view. Why, why, why is she having so many babies with with this guy? I don't think they, they quite understand contraceptive uh, contraception. Is that what it world. is? I mean, because it's. But I mean, you, you know, getting that moon tea. <laughs> I mean, I'd be I'd be heading to like you know a King's Landing, Costco, mm-hmm. and just getting in bulk at this rate. I mean, she's maybe she wants kids. You know, maybe it's like, look, this is the life you. You you wanted me to marry this guy. He's going to go have his fun. I'm going to settle in with Harwin. I'm going to have my fun and just squeeze out babies. She she wants she wants babies. She she she's just a different kid. She's a different person now. 10 years later, you're a different person. A lot can change in 10 years. Yeah, you become a different actress. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Sometimes I look at pictures of myself 10 years ago and I'm like, who was playing that guy? <laughs> that that young guy's got a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why did they replace him with this guy? <laughs> with this Renera, we're seeing her worried in a way that only a parent can worry for the first time. It's like the carefree, dragon riding, you know, devil may care Renera's gone. This is what being a parent can do. Well, 10 years is just sort of just made everybody a bummer. <laughs> If you look around, I mean, yeah, I mean, Damon went from being this chaos agent yeah. to like, mm, I just like to read my mysteries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got Renera is just like, yeah, I just, I just want to keep having babies. Like, and is it is it that she wants babies, or is it that she she can't help but be um, rebellious? And this is like the ultimate rebellion, right? Just keep on having babies. I don't, I'm not, that's not how I'm reading this. I I think I'm reading this as she's comfortable. She's in love with Harwin. She's going to continue to be with Harwin. No one's stopping her. No one's saying, no one's saying, you know, no one's telling her not to be. They seem to feel like they've got a pretty good situation. Until this third baby comes along, it seems to me like there hasn't been any blowback for the brown hair babies. Well, there clearly is. It just hasn't, this is like, yeah, three three was too many. Like three, three was is just too a many. Bridge too far. Sure. Three was a bridge too far. I guess. And I was thinking, like maybe, like that's why Allison wants to see the baby directly after birth. It's like I don't want her to dye the baby's hair mm. or shave the baby's head or something. Right, right. Uh, me, I don't know. Why, why, why does Allison want to see the baby if not for that reason? It's got to be. Yeah, to have it that soon, I think it's got to be some. It's. All has to do with the. They know what's really going on, and um, right, right. But I don't. Yeah, I mean, I was a little nervous at first. I'm like, because I didn't know quite what we were what we were dealing with. Because I didn't know 
I mean, I figured, you know, obviously, if Viserys is still alive, if if Rhaenyra is still being referred to as princess, so. Right, um, right. So I figured that out, you know, so like, because there would, you know, not like Allison just in 10 years or whatever, just completely maintained her, her reign or something somehow, mm-hmm. you know, so. Mm-hmm. So there's, it was a little sinister, it felt, you know, like I felt like, ooh, there's something. Is Allison going to do something to the baby? You know, I, I wasn't sure. Oh, like, interesting. How, how, we're get, how we're getting introduced, you know. Yeah, okay. Um, interesting. But uh, now, like I said, like I said, now all of a sudden it becomes uh, clear. It, the the whispers are getting louder, and, and now it's coming back to the family. But um, but but why? Like, why did it end? Was it because just because of the incident and the... Um, in the courtyard I or, think, or in the, the sparring. Yeah, I think maybe it's sort of like Allison's thinking, like, she can't possibly expect us to believe that this is Lenore's baby three times in a row. Come on. Like, what does she say? Like, first time is an accident, third time is an insult. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, that gets to a point where it's just like, now she just, it's she's living, like, like you said, comfortable. Like, comfortable, not just the lifestyle, but just comfortable in terms of just, I keep doing this all. I, I could do this all damn day. <laughs> and she does. You don't think I will? You don't think I'll throw another baby out there? <laughs> I mean, it, it sort of it sort of becomes obvious with Harwin's clear favor of his a biological son in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do feel like sometimes Allison will say something to someone that she thinks that she's just gossiping with. Like these men, like they're gossiping with the queen, but like Kristen Cole's, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna poke this. I'm gonna poke this a little bit and see if I can swing things in the queen's favor. Yeah, and it's like okay. Anybody? What I think is interesting is that like everybody just kind of knows it. So why? I mean, and then this, I guess, is the way to to get it to be circumstantially proven anyway. Yeah, there'll be some sort of consequence now because it's you know something so uh egregious takes place um i just it's just an i mean i'm I, wrapping my head around the whole the 10 years 10 years of just sort of this <laughs> whatever all that was <laughs> i mean it, I, I guess we should be glad we skipped over the 10 years because it looks like whatever it got to everyone to be so boring um a lot less masturbation scenes because of this <laughs> the 10 year skip like we're just we're just gonna spare these guys the the nightly ritual of Aegon over the city. <laughs> yeah, let's we'll just show it once. What a power! What a power play! We'll show it once, just to just to tell you what this guy's all about. But <laughs> should... that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of character development in that one movie. <laughs> all right, this brings us to the boys' star, uh, storyline. The two blondies and the two brunettes are taught about dragons. It seems that Allison's younger son, Amond, has no dragon of his own and is shamed by a pig with wings. He, <laughs> <laughs> he, des- he descends below the d- dragon pit and is menaced by a dragon and then scolded by his mother. Later on, Aegon gratifies himself. His mother walks in and explains the Game of Thrones to him. While sparring, Kristen sets Jaehaerys and Aegon against each other. This sparks a reaction from Harwin. Harwin punches Kristen repeatedly after he suggests that Harwin is the father. Harwin is forced back to Hall with Lionel. 
He says goodbye to the boys, and Jaharis figures out who his true father is. Yeah, all right, so let's talk about these boys. I mean, this is... uh, In all of the ways that I'm really loving the the kids in Stranger Things, Mm -hmm. I don't don't really feel a connection with these boys. (laughs) No? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're... uh... They're odd ducks. <laughs> I mean, it's and it, there is something I think it's interesting too to see how this is going to develop because um, there's such key uh, components uh-huh. to the to the overall uh, outlook of of the realm, right? I mean, it's a it's a pretty big deal. These, it, it, you know, I mean, we we hear it when Allison's explaining, you know, again, his, you know, uh, Aegon's. What, what he's basically the challenge that he has by either being a challenge or not. And yeah, he just by just by breathing, he's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think that that's a that was a really uh, interesting scene. I like that. I thought it was pretty cool. Just the way she's really trying to drive it home. It's like, well, you don't get to you don't get to choose not to have this be a part of of your life. I would just this say, is. look, I'm I don't usually give other people parenting advice because it's not my business, but. Allison, there might have been a better time to approach Aegon <laughs> with like the most important lesson he's ever going to learn. Do you think Rhaenyra's sons will be your playthings forever? So? <gasps> if Rhaenyra comes into power, your very life could be forfeit. Then I want you. You are the challenge! Oh. You are the challenge, Aegon! Simply by living and breathing! You are the king's firstborn son. And what they know, what everyone in the realm knows, in their blood and in their bones, is that one day you will be our king. How about later? How about later after dinner? He's a little busy. He's a little bit busy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I like how, like, like, she just, just like, he's doing the thing at the window again. Like, it was just sort of like... Like you know what? It's like if I have to, if I, if I try to find a time when he's not in the window to, to have this heart to heart, I'll never have this heart to heart. So my daughter was like, uh, it was an interesting parallel with that window because she, she associates that window with Tommen going out the window, mm. right? Uh, because oh, okay. because he's so in love, Marjorie is has just burned alive. He can't live without her, and he like goes out the window. Clearly, Aegon's in love with himself. Right, and also going out the window. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a different kind of way, I guess. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so these boys, you know, they're, they're sort of taunting poor Aemond. And uh, Aemond is, uh, you know, he's, he's clearly, clearly shamed by this pig. <laughs> by this pig. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Different time. Valerian, the pink dread. I mean, look. They put, they put wings on it. What's so bad? I mean, look. Clearly, they're, they're, he feels insecure about this. And sort of they're, they're finding a, a weakness in him. The thing that maybe he's most ashamed about. And they're kind of making fun of Well, dragon is, the dragon is, is what? Puberty, right? Essentially, that's what we're, we're talking about here. Like he's, he's, he's a late bloomer. He's a late bloomer. And they're making fun of him that... Uh, the, the pig joke was a little, I, I will say, it's, it was a little funny. I, I will, <laughs> I know it's bullying behavior. I don't want to condone that, but it was a little bit funny. I, come on, Allison. <laughs> just, it was a tiny bit funny. I just, I just, so it's like, we just learned that just nobody in, likes Amond. I mean, there's, 
<laughs> no one cares. I mean, look, Allison doesn't really care about Aemond uh, because he's not the heir to the throne. You can kind of see how someone like Daemon Targaryen becomes Daemon right. Targaryen, right? Being yeah, a second yeah. son in this world, even if you're as wealthy as Sin, you know, it's it's a little bit emasculating at times. Yeah, and your brother will think you're a twat. <laughs> Uh, all right, so you're feeling about the the new the new boys in this show? Uh, Aegon, Aegon's worth watching. <laughs> I, uh, what does he look like to you? I was thinking he looks a little bit like um, Pete Townsend in the Who or something. <laughs> Is that what you got, Pete Townsend? I don't know. Um, There's something about that that sort of that frizzy white hair that. I don't know. It reminds me. He's, he's a little bit 80s glam rock, don't you think? Yeah, no. Maybe a little Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. Yeah, okay. I can, I can, I'm picking up what you're putting down. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. I, I can bet you Dave Mustaine has done his business outside of a hotel window. Oh, absolutely. You, Yeah, no, the odds the odds are that that happened multiple times. We we don't know for <laughs> sure. We're just, no spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it it doesn't seem too far too far reaching to come up with that. <laughs> okay, uh, this next storyline is the rise and fall of Lionel Strong. Lionel accuses Harwin of disgrace and treachery for having sired three sons with Rhaenyra. Harwin denies the accusation. Later, after the small council meeting, Lionel visits the king and the queen, and attempts a resignation. The king refuses, but allows Lionel to take leave and bring Harwin back to Harrenhal. Once at the haunted castle, both father and son are burned. Yeah, so much for Lionel Strong. It was a good, it was a good, ten, good ten-year run, though. I mean, you, you talked about how he would be a good hand, and he clearly was. Uh, Not um, as good as Aegon. <laughs> no, yeah, I know he's <laughs> the hand of the future king. <laughs> all right, so all right, I think that. We can kind of rightly judge him in retrospect. He wasn't conniving, at least as, as anything that we saw. He was a pretty good hand. He wasn't ambitious in the way that would give the king bad advice or self-interested. He was just good trying to, remo- trying to remove himself when it looked like it was a conflict of interest. Absolutely. I think in retrospect, we got to think that guy was, was pretty smart, pretty good hand, and... Uh, and he's dead. He's gone. He gone. He gone. Okay. Uh, Lena was interesting, and she seemed a, like a relatively good person. Mm-hmm. Um, Harwin had his faults, but he was he was okay. I, I enjoyed watching him. He didn't seem like he was all bad, right? Right. Lionel, we've learned in retrospect, not not really uh, ambitious, just a, a good, smart character. All dead. All dead. All dead right now. And who's, who's left? Psychopath Laris. That's who's left. That's, that's who we have to work with. And you know what? He's an interesting guy. I'll give him that much. But if, he isn't in. We got him. We got, our, we got our sinister fella. Right. We got our sinister fella. And I will say, look, all the people who are seem like relatively good folks are just dying like flies. Well, and, and it seems like maybe over the course of 10 years, these good folks 
the reason why maybe it was so boring for 10 years uh, is because that's what when things are going well right you know yeah, no, not good, enough good, conflict. Good, good people um in positions where they're you know where they, they can influence some of these uh you know rapscallions uh-huh. and and then now it's like so maybe that's part of this whole tenure too it's like yeah. all right we've gone 10 years and now we've taken some of those uh, moral compasses and some of those good uh, good advice givers and we're just they're dispatched mm-hmm. so all right so when lionel was chiding harwin for his indiscretion harwin says you have your honor and i have mine um i think i'm reading that as your honor is about looking good to everyone else it would have been dishonorable for me not to defend my biological son when he's being bullied Mm. And it's almost like the f- regardless of the consequence yeah. this is this is my child and you're in one way you're not doing that for me right now. Right. Exactly. It's like what what does it mean to be a good father? Does it mean like put your whole house in the best political place to advance? Or maybe throw the consequences to the wind and just help your child? Um, right. You know, this is sort of a, a Tywin Lannister question. You know, Tywin would absolutely do what's best for the legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I thought that was an interesting conversation because later on we get this little vo- voiceover with Laris, And he basically says, what are children if not a weakness? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like a way for you to pretend that you're escaping death. Uh, that you think that you're going to live on through your children. In reality, uh, sometimes sometimes your love for your children is the problem. And so this is sort of Laris. Laris is taking the absolute opposite view on the value of legacy. He, he's, he, he's willing to burn down the whole thing, literally. Well, and as somebody who's probably not the favored son by virtue of... Again, uh, second like, son you know. issue, right? Second son issue. He's, uh, you know, he's he's not clearly not the 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 fighter and the the that his brother is anyway. And it's, you know, and so there's a shades of the um, sort of the uh, Tyrion. Uh, maybe there's that that you know, even though Lionel seems like a much better father and, and yeah. person in general yeah. there still may be some of that like that, some of that carryover and what you know like whereas Tyrion was somebody who uh you know sort of rose above as much as he could and it but it influenced his uh his station you know maybe Laris has some of that but he's he's gone more Lex Luthor with it well and both of those characters kill their fathers mm-hmm. that's true that's that's sort of a, a, a second parallel with this I was kind of surprised. I was kind of. I mean, I knew I knew Laris was sort of a devious, conniving person. I was shocked to see. I thought that those brothers were pretty tight. I wasn't expecting that this at all. Well, yeah, and it just shows that you know there, there's like with with Lionel and um, you know we talk about how he's got this. You know, he's a good he's a good hand he's a good man and they're, they're having these discussions about honor meanwhile Laris is in the background and he has a whole different uh, yeah <laughs> plan and right. honor doesn't seem to be a major priority for him no no well and he ta- he talks a little bit about the when he's talking to uh, Alicent afterwards 
you know, he's like, look at, uh, you know, people who are super superstitious. They believe that the can that the castle's haunted, and you know, this castle has a history of of doing weird things. You've heard the stories of Harren Hall, Your Grace. It's built in Hebrews by Harren the Black, as a monument to his own greatness. Blood mixed into the mortar. It is said to be a cursed place. That it passes judgment on all who pass beneath its gate. And he's almost saying, like, these people who are so invested in honor are the same people who are superstitious. And so they're going to believe it. They're not gonna they're not gonna bat an eye. They're gonna think, oh yeah, someone else died, died at Heron Hall. Burned down again. But Allison knows. Right. But Allison is one of these like okay you know and so when you look at too and you look at the whole concept of of honor and the concept mm-hmm. of of what you know Laris is also like well I'm also in a position to do this mm-hmm. because of my uh, my father and my brother's skewed or maybe in his opinion skewed views of honor right they're they're both of them could have you know behaved differently that would have prevented a lot of this. A lot of these issues we've got, you know, we have these these three kids that uh, that my brother brought in, and you know, against the the, the way things should be. And then yeah. if my if my my father is is a good hand, but he also could have maybe spoke a little sense uh, to the king, maybe one. <laughs> you know, it's like this was like one of the worst kept secrets in the kingdom, right? right? And it's like it took it took ten years and three kids to finally like get it to crack a little. Yeah, bit. maybe I am giving them too much credit. I think it's like from what I've seen on screen, he gives good advice. He's smart. He's not ambitious. But I think that the other way to look at this is it's under his watch that Alicent is now running the kingdom, and Viserys has just basically become even more passive than he was before. Right. His problem as a king, he was always he was always passive. Uh, right. And now, and it's easier to be it's easier to be continually passive if you have somebody around you who's going to be much more aggressive. Right. Yeah. And so it's almost like Allison has taken Otto's place at this point. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And and so that's it's ten years of just sort of like yeah you know he was he was probably the perfect king for or the perfect hand for this king and what the king that king wants. Uh huh. Not someone that's going to maybe challenge him a bunch. Give good advice. The advice is good. It's solid. We're in peace. Things are fine. So obviously he's a good he's a good hand. But he also is like, eh, I'll, I'll go ahead and if he knew, you know, I mean, if he obviously knew, and it was his son, you know, so he like he was protecting his son. So he was to some degree not, by not advising differently. Uh, he he helped helped enable his son to continue this this path. Uh-huh. So it is. It is interesting, right? I mean, that's and you know, maybe that is still you know from some perspective that is still being a good, a good hand overall. But it, but what is it going to lead to? Maybe again, it's these long term uh, implications of, of of these decisions that don't seem to be uh, well attended to. It seems more that it's it's there's a little bit of more like ah, everything's fine. We're in peace. Just keep doing this. It's fine. All right. I'm going to move on to Allison here, but before I do, I do want to mention Harwin's a big boy. Why does he need his father to accompany him back to Harrenhal? Mm, why doesn't no. Why doesn't Lionel just say, "All right, go back. You're going to be the the new lord of Harrenhal. You're going to leave tonight. Goodbye." 
Yeah, I wonder. I wondered that too. Because is that is that Lionel actually just like trying to get away? Maybe he's not intending on coming. Right, because he wants to quit. You know, he was trying to quit, and so he's he, like, "Okay, well, then how about you give me this? Give me a vacation. I, I need a yeah, yeah. need a little vacation here. <laughs> I need to take a personal day." <laughs> All right, um, all right. so this is Allison's storyline. We've talked about a bit of this already. Allison confronts King Viserys and insinuates that Rhaenyra is having strong babies. <laughs> Viserys refuses to listen and forbids his wife from the topic. Allison complains to Sir Criston, who calls Rhaenyra a very naughty word and then apologizes mm-hmm. for it. Later, at the small council, Allison appears to be running the kingdom. She argues against Rhaenyra's marriage proposal to the king. Alicent sits for supper with Laris Strong, who is eager for gossip. She laments at the absence of her father and wishes Otto was still hand of the king. Laris endeavors to make this happen with a bit of tongue chopping and arson. <laughs> Alicent seems shocked by this. When Laris confesses, he implies now that she owes him a favor. So, okay, let me just say... We did, We just did our little power rankings mm-hmm. this weekend. You put Otto at the top. Yeah, I think I think your 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 pick of, of putting Otto high was certainly better than me putting Lionel Strong high. On this list. <laughs> yeah, after this episode, I would say. Okay, so here's my question about this. Alicent kind of whines to Kristen Cole about how Rhaenyra is the problem, right? And so Kristen Cole goes and takes it upon himself to go and kind of reveal Harwin as the true father of Rhaenyra's children. And this is all orchestrated. He, he's, he's provoking him. He uses the word son. Like, it's very odd that you have such interest in this particular boy's training you don't see that kind of thing unless it's like a father to son. He gets pummeled and then it reveals Harwin, right? It was sort of, it, it was kind of provoked by Sir Kristen Cole, but I think it might have been provoked ultimately by Alicent. Yeah, she has Kristen by her side for, for a variety of reasons. And I think a right. lot of it is is that because he has... Well, one, she she spared him or allowed him to uh-huh. not kill himself. So there's a certain level of, of uh, hey, you want to live? Uh, I'll keep you. I'll keep you okay, here. Okay, so one thing that she says to him when she's whining to him is she says, shouldn't honor and decency prevail in the end? Something like that. Something about mm. honor and decency prevailing in the end. But then he goes and kind of like does this little trick and reveals this dirty secret. And then she laments to Laris about how she wishes her father was back, not because he would be impartial, but because she, he would be partial to her, which is not honorable or decent. No, seems I know. To me. So I wonder, like, does she know what she's implying to these men does she know what kind of men that they are and that they will be go out and do these actions? Or is she like legitimately shocked when these men take action? That's a good question. Like I, I had that same question with, at the end with Laris. Like 
like, what does she, is that a genuine like? Well, I just no, this is what what I meant, you know. I, maybe she you know, didn't know. But, uh, maybe so, like, I, you know, she thought yeah, maybe he'll like hobble his horse or something, so he can't get back in time, and they'll give me a little extra time to to talk to my husband about this. And what ends up happening? Oh, you burned down the biggest castle in the kingdom. Yeah, well, when you well, when you compare the two, right? So, like, she does this thing with with Sir Kristen, knowing that he either is still pining for. Yeah. Renera, right. or <laughs> at a minimum, is like, dude, I could be, I could be throwing those babies out. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just so easily replaced. Um, so, and and so, what does he do when he when she sort of puts this all together? Is he gets he does something crafty? Uses the you know sort of bully <laughs> some kids. Very and, subtle, very subtly, like implies you know says a few choice words to to provoke. The the other guys like I I got this nuclear bomb over here. You want me to? You're right. Me, and so I kind of I want I, I, can I press I the button right here. See that? <laughs> I feel <laughs> I feel like Allison knows what she's doing with Sir Kristen. Like maybe that's been something that's kind of happened over yeah. the course of the last ten years. And so she d- sort of does the same thing with Laris, but doesn't realize what she's. <laughs> this sure. is not going to be that. <laughs> you know, it, it'll be similar. But way different. Okay, so let's <laughs> yeah, talk about Laris for a minute. All right, so this guy, it's not like he just gets the hand out of the way. It's like, that's your father and brother. And I don't know how many mm-hmm. other people that you grew up with in Hall died in that fire. I mean, talk about the nuclear option. This guy is, he's a psychopath. He's a psychopath. All what right. is this guy not capable of after we've seen this? Well, and if you believe that uh, children can be a weakness, it's a perfect example. Go, yep, because they could kill you. I guess so. I mean, you know, his dad's his dad's weakness. You know, like not just from the perspective of like, well, he's put himself in jeopardy as the hand in this position because if he's got to choose between his, his son, he's like, but there's also another son that he's not uh, mm-hmm. taking account for, and this is really gonna bite him. Right. Man, okay, so now we kind of have our Ramsey character. Basically, I mean, he he's he's got a little bit, a little bit Littlefinger, a little bit Ramsey, you know. Yeah, so there was no question, you know. Well, okay, so here's a bad guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Before, we're like, ooh, who's this? And who's plotting? And what are their intentions? Like, oh, okay, bad guy. All right, we got we got bad yeah. guy. <laughs> right. All right. So there's this one scene with uh, Allison when she's talking with her daughter. Her daughter is Helena. And Helena's really into like bugs. She's she's really into <laughs> entomology. And Allison gives out this perfectly authentic parent experience. Like when you're bored and tired and disappointed all at the same time. This is this is my child. My child's into bugs. <laughs> I'm gonna have to sit here and listen to her talk about bugs <laughs> for the next four years until she's into something else. I just love that scene so much. I mean, you contrast that scene with the interest she's taking in Aegon's development, right? Well, and you contrast that too with uh, with Damon, apparently just ignoring one of his daughters altogether, and then we see at the end, you know, that they're right. sitting there with their, you know, the smoldering <laughs> mommy skeleton, and and he's just like, eh, I'm out. Right. You know, okay. So these books aren't going to read themselves. This is interesting because I think that. I, I mean, I was really kind of on board with Allison uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think if I think if I'm comparing her to Cersei, like Cersei at least loved all of her children. 
right? She she cared about the po- political parts of it. She was trying to help her kids learn politics. But even if her kids weren't into politics, even if, you know, even the girls, even the young pudgy boy or whatever, I, I always got the sense that she loved her children. She'd do anything for her children. Allison is clearly not interested in this girl uh, and, and, and doesn't even care when uh, Aegon calls his brother. What does he call him? A, a twat. A twat. <laughs> it's not like, don't call your brother a twat. Uh, it's sort of like, like yeah, a, you can call him a twat when we're together, but don't do it in public. I don't want anyone else to see you. Call- hey, she even says you can cuff him around in public right? or in, in private, but you can't do it in public. I mean, not a great mom. Not a no. great mom. Uh, Damon's not a great dad. Allison's not a great mom. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it. How much of this is all about? I mean, we start with the childbirth. We end with a, mm-hmm. uh, a birth that doesn't. You know, doesn't work out, and it's like some. I mean, really, this was this was the episode of of uh, of the child, right? I mean, that's that's his whole thing, and that's what we when we see the the Laris, you know, committing uh, patricide and uh, you know, and kills his brother at the same time. You know, it's like there's there's all these ramifications, and the and the impl- implication too that you know, and the thing that's got Allison all fired up is, uh, you know, she could, you know, Renera could have uh, her her kids eliminated. I mean, that, and that would be almost just kind of understood. Yeah, I think you so. Know, I think everyone, everyone's kind of assumes that that would be the consequence for the secret getting out. Right. And it's not a situation of, Oh, and then it, that will be a real big deal. It's just like, no, that's, this has always been on the table and, uh, and it's within her right, um, to not have a challenger for, for her, her claim. And so there's, uh, so there's just so much of it. Like it, this is really showing, you know, this episode is so so focused on, uh, you know, bloodlines and um, mm-hmm. and, and and just you know, <laughs> the complication of of uh, of childhood, right? I mean, I think that it's really something that Laris's a voiceover is so is so key with the idea of it being a weak, you know, weakness, yeah. and that's why he can almost almost strike to some degree because he's like, you guys' preoccupation with your children can be either because it's your legacy or because you actually love these little little farts and uh and he says and that's what that's that's a problem that's that's when you're all vulnerable because you're not protecting yourself you're protecting your legacy and so what happens is you leave the your your present day self uh available for you know basically for vanity okay so i think that renera's part of her, the reason why she wants to go to dragonstone is that she wants to protect the children, right? I, I, I really think that it's not just about people gossiping in the halls. I think that she's thinking, um, I've got to retreat to save my children because they're in danger here. But is it a p- good political move to actually retreat to Hall? I feel like she's giving up real estate to the queen. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, and that's and it's even said so, right? I mean, it's like, okay, now you've got... Um, you know, if, if if she's gone, she's not there. She's not going to be on the councils. Then now the the queen can just pour honey into the the king's ears. Right? Well, and you saw that you saw the makeup of the small council. The makeup of the small council was Renera, and Renera was the only one that would actually talk back to Allison. Mm-hmm. And so with Renera gone, Allison is probably just going to completely 
dominate that that council. It seems to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, her plans. Her plans are going to go unchallenged, and of course, now you have the other aspect of you don't even have a hand of the king right now. So, all right. I, again, I mean, I shouldn't be shocked that 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 Viserys has become this, but oh my gosh, this guy is just. He just lets her push him around. Yeah. Like, even when he says to everyone, sit down, she won't sit down. He, he said, I don't want the blanket. She puts the blanket on. He says, it's a good match. She says, you can do what you want after I'm cold in the ground. Right. She is running the show, and it's not even subtle. Nope. Uh, so I'm a little bit, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be shocked about this guy, but oh my gosh, this guy. Yeah, and you and it'd be easy to say, oh, he must just be in like so much pain, or he must be so much like the uh, so weak. But he's been doing this forever. <laughs> this is he's been doing it forever, and he his I think that the thing he does best is being intentionally blind. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's the kind of guy that will overlook his brother's problems, defend his brother in public, forgive his brother too many times, forgive his daughter too many times. He's absolutely the kind of guy that's not going to see Rhaenyra. Or maybe he knows deep down that, of course, Rhaenyra's children don't belong to her, to uh, Lenore. He's he's willing to just live in the lie because that's yeah, the path of least resistance. Right. And it's like, and he, I, he knows. I mean, because the whole thing is like, say it. If you, if you want to say it, if you don't say it, then it doesn't, then, then we're all going to move on. You know, if you don't say the thing that you're thinking, which you're going to all move on because it's not a real thing. Right. As soon as it's out in the open and it's said, you have to do something with it. Right. Okay, dismemberment count. We lost a couple tongues. Lost a couple tongues. I'm assuming we're, we've lost at least three or four. I don't know how many, but I'm guessing at least three or four. Uh, we got at least a full moon. Mm-hmm. One full moon. One full moon for Cheek Speak. Uh, I took the under. I think I got this one. Yeah, you got the end. Because you, right. you you said it at, at one and a half. One and a half, yeah. All right. Uh, so for next episode, um, do you want me to set this one? Yeah, why'd you set this? All right, one? I'll set this one. I'm gonna say five. Whoa. You think we're due? Like we were, we thought we were due before, but now everyone's older. <laughs> so it's time to start start. Some, I some just moons. think that I, we haven't seen the last of Aegon's behind. All right, I think I think we're due for a Carl. <laughs> we're gonna see. <laughs> I mean, he got to bring Carl. Like that was such a such a such a, such a funny. I that was a pretty funny. One. I was like, well, why don't you bring in? You can bring Carl. You can bring your friend. <laughs> we're going to the Dragonstone. Well, I don't want to go to Dragonstone, but you can bring Carl. Can Carl stay over for stovetop stuffing, Mom? <laughs> if that's what you're calling it, but yeah. <laughs> so uh so i said it at five i'm gonna go with the under you're gonna go with the oh fi- finally he goes with the under yeah uh i feel like i should probably yeah i i, I go under and this will be the episode that they just uh-huh. it's just called ass town <laughs> <laughs> the ass and the honeycomb <laughs> I'm gonna go under two. I think I think it I think it's gonna be right around five, but I, I'm gonna go under just because that's that's what this show does. The show's gonna give us three chopped off tongues and no cracks. So 
just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, you just, it's just it's gonna zig. We're gonna, so what do we what do we think is going on with the? Is, is so is Damon Damon's going? Is he gonna be headed out? I mean, he's got nothing really keeping him right. He doesn't really like his kids all that much. Well, he wanted to stay in Pentos, right? Right. And she didn't want to stay there. So you would think, you know, he can do what he wants. Maybe he sends the kids back to Driftmar because she wanted them raised there. Mm-hmm. But he certainly at least loves one of the kids. I don't know. What do you think? And maybe he sends them to the grandparents. I don't think that he's going to be boring middle-aged Damon forever. No, I think he's. I think he's headed to Dragonstone, or he's headed. He's going. He's. Well, if he goes to Dragonstone, he's going to find out that someone's living there now. Right, right. But if he gets to if he gets to King's Landing, because there's now an opening for the job of the hand, right? There is, but there's also an opening for Rhaenyra's lover. That's true. So it could be that, you know, he lost his wife. She lost her paramour. Uh, now they finally can do the Targaryen thing. The, the Targaryen inevitability. Um, and maybe he gets his son. It feels like it feels like there's something right. They showed them both, you know, like they were they were both uh, cut from him to her, and it felt like that that there were the show was setting setting that up. This is kind of like those that thing where like. You had like a high school sweetheart, never worked out, and then you both become middle aged. You're both a little bit more boring than you used to be, mm. and you're like, "Yeah, why not?" You still you still speak high Valerian, <laughs> not as well as I used to. <laughs> That's right. Well, we haven't seen this new t- this new version of Renera with Damon. Right. Uh, he's, he's still man a few words. This guy. Well, they look like they said these are these are exciting people. The last time we we saw them, and now they're not. So maybe they're really. Maybe not. it's time to get the band back together and uh, yeah, and, uh, and see see what see what what happens. Okay, Steve, um, is this a uh, a Dorn, a Dinklage, or a Danny episode? Um, it's a it's a I think it's a. Danny minus two for me. Oh, you weren't uh, impressed. No, well, and I'm. It's and I don't know that it was. Is um, it the time jump? It might be the time jump. It might be. It just because it was so. It was. It was just took a while to kind of get my sea legs. Uh-huh. I, everything is important, right? Everything. I mean, I know it's. It, but it's almost like we're watching a, a, a new series. Uh. And it so it took a little bit to sort of yeah I feel like a table setting episode yeah and so I don't and so I'm not necessarily faulting it at being like a I'm not when I say it's a Danny minus two it's almost like a necessary low Danny no a Danny minus you know, two means that it was a good episode it was it, yeah. it was a little bit it wasn't as good as some of the other Danny episodes we've seen but it's still a good right. episode so yeah and i w- and i don't give it a dorm because a dorm to me is like a misfire yes and i don't think it was a misfire no, right. it just this just wasn't it 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 was just like a little mm-hmm. hard to get into the where are they now episode mm-hmm. of uh of of these folks and then it was like oh well, well damon targaryens is kind of a bummer <laughs> and uh <laughs> all right i'm gonna give this a properly danny episode okay um I thought that the two older actors who are playing Alicent and Rhaenyra 
were really impressive. And I think that mm-hmm. when I first when I first saw when I, the first time I watched, it was like, boy, this new Alicent is like a force to be reckoned with. I can totally see this woman going to war. Mm. And then the second time I watched, I was I couldn't take my eyes off Renera. I thought she's exactly who you would be if you were kind of a hellion in your youth, and now you're older, wiser parent. I, I think she's playing this perfectly. So I, I really enjoyed those two, and um, I, I'll have to say I was really disappointed to see Lena go down. I, I, she seemed like a genuinely good person. Harwin and Lionel Strong, I, was, I really liked those characters. Didn't get to know them at all. I was excited to see sort of the whole Heron Hall thing, and then it was like 30 seconds of Heron Hall before it totally burns down. Right. So... It's like they continually choose to introduce a character that we root for and then kill them off. Yeah, and, and then also then you're also being somewhat deprived of your um, larger world that you want to get. That's into. right. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, because I don't feel like I'm going to go back. I mean, I, it could be that we go back to Pentos, but it's not like I really care about Reggio. Right. Um, with a name like Reggio, he's not going to be around for very long. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So, <laughs> like, how invested how how invested am I gonna be in this guy? So anyway, I think it was a good episode, a good good table setting episode. Um, looking forward to seeing how it all shakes down next week. Yeah, and seeing more of Viserys is good, um, but you know, everyone's just a bummer. <laughs> it's just, and I know well, that. Well, like I said before, I I would not if you asked me to, scri- to describe Aegon. I have a few words about him. Being a bummer is not necessarily one of them. No, 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 no. He's 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 a breath fresh. He's a little bit. He's he's an interesting guy. (laughs) Do you think what little? Do you think what does he what does he think when he's looking out the window? Does he just like is he like excited that he will one day be the lord of all that he sees, or is like there like someone bathing on a rooftop? nearby <laughs> what's what is what's going on in his mind well and that's the thing is like he he i at first i was reading it like oh you know because he's he could be thinking of himself as the heir and you know this is i can do with this and he's clearly not realm, about whatever that. i want but then he said and he tells you he's like i don't want to challenge the the her title i just want to i just want to do this wanna, hey mom i just want to do that i'm really good at this like i'm really good at this <laughs> It's, it's, it's my favorite. You know, I mean, it's like my a, like, favorite thing. Like it's very rare that your favorite thing is the thing that you're best at. <laughs> right? Yeah, you never. So you <laughs> do the do the thing you love. You never work a day in your life, right? I mean, that's, that's what he's figured out. Yeah. It's like, mom, have you he's have like, you seen me? Look, I'm the guy that puts wings on pigs. Like I, <laughs> that's my lane. I'm the guy that will just stand in front of an open window and gratify myself. That's me. Just can you just love me for me? <laughs> that was his pink dread. <laughs> oh goodness, this guy. Behold, the pink dread. Of course, we'd love you to rate and review, follow, subscribe. And if you're not into rating and reviewing, share with a friend. We'd love a little bit of exposure online if that's your way that you communicate with your friends. All right. 
Without further ado, here is Dr. Kavita Mudan Finn. We're with uh, Kavita Mudan Finn, and this is a question for uh, from Avia. So Avia asks, I've heard lots of different claims about childhood in the medieval era. I've heard that the very concept is an invention of the modern mind. I've also heard that pre-industrial societies, that in pre-industrial societies, maturity was delayed, puberty being a late teens thing. I've heard that child labor was a general practice. Would you please speak to the common lives of young people? Were there dolls, other toys, schools? Was there a difference between rich and poor? Thank you. So in medieval Europe, at least, children were typically seen as sort of small, unformed adults. Uh, but But the important thing is that they were also seen as members of a very specific and much larger community. And so they had very specific roles within that community. So for instance, children of the lower and the emerging middle classes would start working as soon as they were able in a variety of occupations. They would start like with simple tasks, like clean things, feed animals, help with the Mm -hmm. harvest. Um, And then by the time they were young teenagers, they would often be apprenticed to learn a trade. This would be something like blacksmithing, tailoring, taking care of animals, baking, butchering, uh, making jewelry. Um, being like, if you were wealthy or maybe you'd get into being a merchant, you'd get into banking. Um, this is how the Medici bank became a family business. Cause they just kept pulling the kids in to do the work. Um, some of them better than others. Like they're pretty much, uh, most businesses tended to be family businesses okay. and they were just sort of passed on from parent to child. And in some cases, it was father to, in most cases, it was father to son, but sometimes you would have uh, women taking over these businesses as well. Um, There is, for instance, uh, in the book of Marjorie Kemp from 15th century England, um, Marjorie is herself a relatively wealthy woman, and she she owns an inn, she tries brewing, she does a whole variety of different things. So by the time you were in your late teens, you were essentially working full time in whatever trade had been chosen for you. Like it was very rare that you got to choose this for yourself. This was something that was almost always chosen for you. And social mobility was tremendously difficult. Um, One of the only paths to any kind of real social mobility was to go into the church. And Hmm, there was the trade off that if you were a man and you went into the church, you there you basically disavowed all right to have your own family because you were expected to be celibate. Mm. So, uh, one of the, so one of the few options to rise in social mobility was through the church. Um, hypothetically, a young man from a poor background could join a monastery, could become a monk, could rise through merit or some other type of thing that didn't involve bloodlines um, mm-hmm. and become an abbot or a bishop or even the pope. Um, the Borgia family wasn't necessarily a wealthy family at first, and they saw they managed to get two popes um, in and around all of the Medicis and the uh, and the and the Orsinis and all of the other fancy uh, aristocratic popes that were coming up. That's part of the reason why they were so uh, why why they ran into so much propaganda trouble. Um, so, oh, I was just going to ask, um, you know, that that mm-hmm. choice to have a lower class boy enter the clergy that would have been sort of 
one of the only avenues for education too. Would that be correct? Yeah, that would be correct. If you were a member of the royal of, of the lower classes, the pretty much the only chance to get educated would be through the church. Okay. Um, and this happened to a lesser extent for women. Um, there were there were convents in specific part. There were specific convents in different parts of Europe that were known for learning, for music, for libraries, for mysticism. But overall, um, women had far less access to uh, formal education. Okay. Um, and the main, and as I said, the main uh, the the main route to formal schooling um, in medieval Europe was through the Catholic Church. Um, monasteries were where a lot of these, uh, I mean, it was where books were being copied. It was where books were being produced. Um, and it was largely where knowledge was being disseminated. Um, and eventually from the monasteries, a lot, some of these monasteries then developed into universities and colleges across Europe. You're looking at Oxford, Cambridge, Paris, Bologna, Salamanca, all of those uh, institutions that were formed in the medieval period. And of course, these were pretty much exclusively restricted to men. Um, the few references that we get to women uh, in these kinds of institutions, women like Eloise of the Paraclete, women like uh, Ildegard of Bingen, um, they were very much exceptions to the rule and they had to go through all mm. kinds of hoops to get where they did. Now, in contrast, outside of Europe, uh, the oldest continually operating university in the entire world is the University of Al-Karouin. It's in present day Morocco. And it was actually founded in the ninth century by a woman, the daughter of a wealthy merchant. So there's, uh, so the university system again was kind of pulled into Europe through these trade networks and through these kind of more global um, networks of knowledge and networks of culture. I guess I have one more question just mm -hmm. to follow up on this between sort of the lives of uh, children between classes. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I guess you could almost view the same sort of trade issues if, if you were slated to be a, someone of, a, of the ruling class, your trade is sort of... <laughs> guess your trade would be considered to rule yes and so then that would affect how you are educated and how you're yes. trained right mm -hmm. um so would but would that involve a kind of education a kind of formal education that maybe the lower classes wouldn't have access to to some degree, yes. Um, I mean, for one thing, that is how um, you get me you get uh, members of the upper classes uh, being educated in how to read. Because the thing is, like, we we think of the medieval period and we think, oh my God, everyone was illiterate, which is not necessarily true, because there are also different levels of literacy. There sure. is people who could read, people who could read and write, which is a much smaller number. There were plenty. There were a lot of people who knew how to read but could not necessarily also write. Um, and there were also some people who knew arithmetic, but did not necessarily know how to read. Um, so education tended to be somewhat more of a piecemeal affair. Like you learned what you needed to know um, in order mm. to do your job, basically. If you have a question for Double Dragon, you can send that to book at baldmove.com. And now, a knee-jerk reaction for my daughter, Nessa. So, I have a couple questions for you. Okay. How do you feel about 
the older versions of Alicent and Rhaenyra. I, I think I like both of the older. <gasps> I think I do too. I wasn't. I was a little nervous, but I think I like them. Okay, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit sad to see Harwin break bones strong. Go. Was he the older? He was Rhaenyra's lover. Like, See, I have no attachment to Harwin at oh, all. Oh, I was I'm a little sad. Why? <laughs> he was boring. Well, because Rhaenyra loved him and he complicated things for everyone, basically, cuz he's the true father and you could tell that he like really loved his sons. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Easy come, easy go. Thank <laughs> you. 